few years ago, I did a master's course in education. It was the first time I was exposed to the political nature of education. I hadn't realized how many different aspects of our education system were so highly debated and often contentious. And the reason for this, as far as I understand it, is because education is the cornerstone of equality in our society. If you don't have an equal education system, well, how can you have an equal society? This isn't a political podcast. I'm not trying to put my views across one way or the other. But if teaching is something you're interested in, then I recommend you do your own research, have the think, and decide where your views lie. Because, as you'll see, if you decide to become a teacher, these things are all going to come up during the course of your career. Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be. Zach Greenwood, when I started this podcast, I promised I would at least try to bring an international feel to it. And I don't think it gets any more international than you with your multiple passports. So could you introduce yourself and give us a little bit about your background? Uh, my name is Zach Greenwood. I uh, grew up in Canada, uh, did my bachelor's in psychology, and then I got into English teaching. And through that, I moved to Melbourne, Australia and did my master's in education. And now I work as a high school teacher in Brisbane. So, Zach, for some people listening, the idea of moving from studying psychology to being a high school teacher will at least appear to be a very, very kind of random move. But before we go into that, I was just wondering what your motivation to go to university and to study was originally. Um, yeah, I was like not a super, super nerd in high school, but I, I did just love school and always want to go to uni. And psych was one of my favorite subjects, and I always found it really interesting. So I just kind of went to uni with, like, kind of not any clear plans. I was thinking maybe I'd do something in, like, HR, uh, human resource, or maybe I'd, I'd go on to be a psychologist one day, something like that. Uh, after four years of that, didn't really want to be a psychologist or working in HR. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's kind of why I didn't pursue that fully in the end. When I'm working with psychology graduates, one of the things that comes up, not all the time, but sometimes, is sometimes graduates say to me that psychology as a subject wasn't what they expected it to be. Is that what you found? Um, no, no, I, I think as a subject, it was, it was very much, it was all about like brains and people, and I, I loved it. Uh, but applying that in the working world... Uh, you can do a lot with it. You, you really can. But to get a job specifically in the field, it's uh, uh, a very specific type of work for a lot of people. And what kind of led you to exploring the teaching route? Um, well, <laughs> a little embarrassing. Uh, I was <laughs> 22 uh, and very broke and needed a job because my parents were leaving the country. So that meant I had to move out of their house which was a low point, uh, but I wanted to travel and didn't have a lot of money as most young people don't. 
so I ended up moving to Korea uh, to teach English there because I thought it would be the perfect mix of trying something new, seeing a bit of the world, and making some money, uh, which was kind of my first real teaching job. So I, I just got a, a TEFL cert, uh, which is just like a, a hundred and a bit hour course, which certifies you teach English. And then I went and worked in a Hagwon, which is a, a private academy for uh, young Korean students who want to learn English outside of their school day. Uh, and that was a great learning experience. There's a lot I didn't like. There's a lot I did, but I, I found out I did enjoy teaching quite a bit during that time there. And in terms of when you came back from that experience, did you come back thinking, right, teaching is definitely an area I want to explore? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was actually kind of shocked how much I liked it. I I'd never considered teaching before. Um, so it was, it was kind of cool to find something that I just uh, naturally had a knack for and uh, could potentially make money out of it one day <laughs> and not have to move back in with my parents who now live in northern Australia. So you come back from Korea. Did you go back originally to Canada or did you go back to Australia? Yeah, yeah. I went to Canada for like three months just to upgrade some uni courses. And then I, I moved to Australia to do my master's and become a, a teacher in Australia. Uh, from that, I got certified in teaching uh, secondary psychology in English. Uh, and the reason I did Australia was because be, being a psychology teacher in Canada... Uh, it's it's not really a subject that's very common there yet, so there's not a lot of opportunities to uh, go to uni specifically to teach psych. Uh, so that's how I ended up in Melbourne. And tell us about what it was like studying in Australia. How different was it from the Australian education system to the Canadian education system? Uh, it was pretty different. Uh, Australian schools are more like... Uh, how do you put it? They're like the UK kind of grammar school style is how a lot of the high schools are run. And Canadian schools are not like that for the most part. <laughs> they're they're a little more like I don't know like American telly kind of style. They're they're more laid back, I guess. So it was a pretty big adjustment teaching in Australia compared to like having gone to school in Canada and having that like preconception of what a school should be like. But um, I'm learning. And when you say it was like a grammar school, do you mean it was more strict, or what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most schools here have uniforms. Uh, that's not really a thing in Canada. Um, like the kids, when you're going into the classroom, they'll like line up outside and wait for you to like tell them to come in. Which like, and in Canada, people like where I went to school, these kids will just like rush into the room and like steal a seat wherever they can find one sort of thing. So uh, not necessarily bad, but like very different. And the course itself was that a one-year course or was it a two-year course? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's uh, at the University of Masters, or University of Masters, at the University of Melbourne. Uh, they do a two-year master's. You can accelerate it. Um, I would recommend the program. It was very good. I felt it left me prepared for the classroom, which is one of the issues. A lot of uh, first-year teachers, uh, they, they don't feel quite prepared to enter that classroom, uh, which can contribute to like burnout and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was good. And Zach, when did you finish the course? Um, yeah, I finished it uh, about a year ago. A year and a bit ago, I graduated. And from there, I, I moved up to Rockhampton, 
And I actually started teaching my first teaching job in Australia. I got paid for. I was teaching distance ed. So I was in Capricornia, which is a beautiful part of the world, uh, teaching uh, kids who we call it like school of the air. So they're like farm kids who live like really, really remote. So they just go to school online. So that was like a third of my students. Uh, A third were like kids with like health issues sort of thing. So they can attend regular school. And then, like, a third were, like, kids just for whatever reason weren't at the school. They were just, like, the odd mix, right? Um, so that was a really neat learning experience. That was definitely something in my life I never thought I would try uh, or get the chance to. And, yeah, so that was, like, one of the things. Teaching can really, like, take you to some crazy places where you'll meet people you would just never meet if you just, like, stayed in your little bubble kind of thing. And how did it come about that you actually got that role? Because it does sound, I suppose, rather specialized. Yeah, yeah. Um, not, not, it's hard to explain, but teaching online, it was very easy to get into once they show you how, like, the computer program works and, like, uh, some things you can do to, like, teach better online. There's always PD. Uh, but, yeah, I just got in. So I applied through the, the Queensland government. They have, like, a recruiter page, and I just said I was looking for work in Queensland because I wanted to, like, move closer to my parents kind of show them that I had a house now and didn't need them, but still want to visit. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, that was my first job in Queensland. <laughs> so was that a one-to-one job or was it a case where you were doing classes? Uh, yeah, it was classes of about uh, between seven and 14 kids, uh, which 14 kids is very, very small for a class if you're in-person teaching, but it's it's quite a lot for online teaching. <laughs> I suppose I have to make the comparison, really, because during the lockdown, both in the Republic of Ireland and in the United Kingdom, so many teachers have had to do some form of uh, teaching online. So people listening might already be familiar with the idea of teaching online. So I'm just wondering, is is that something that you had to do during the lockdown again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we had like a month of online teaching and it was kind of nice because I was like actually prepared for it. And uh, it kind of had a leg up on everyone who hadn't worked up north, but um, I, it wasn't great. <laughs> like, it was it was still a lot of work <laughs> when we all shut down, but that that's life. So obviously, when you started your job, you're teaching both English and psychology, but you have a little bit of experience of teaching English already from teaching it as a foreign language. Was it very different to teach it as a foreign language? as to kind of teach it in the Australian education system? Oh, <laughs> Australian kids are very special. They're, uh, <laughs> they're how do I put this? The Aussie kids are very outgoing and they will tell you everything about yourself and them and the world. And it's definitely an experience the, the first time. Uh, I, I don't know what it's like in England. I can imagine it's kind of a similar culture, but they're, there's a lot of the joking around and like how do you but like kids are so laid back they'll come in and just like ask you how it's going and tell you about the video games they're playing at lunch and like make jokes and stuff and be a bit rowdy but like in a good way one of the complaints i regularly hear from people who've gone into teaching is that particularly if they're teaching in england is that there is a huge amount of paperwork is that something you've also had to deal with in australia yeah yeah um 
teaching is de- let me just start off by saying uh i do love teaching um but it's not a job you can go into if rose tinted glasses uh there, there's a reason 50% of uh, teachers quit within the first five years. Uh, one of the major contributors for that is the workload is just immense. Uh, when we finish our interview today, uh, I still have a lesson I have to do tomorrow. Um, I have three papers I didn't finish marking during my lunch because I teach all day today. So the only time to mark is during the lunch. Um, I have to make a document I forgot to make over the weekend because I just forgot, right? Uh, and it, it, there is a lot of paperwork and uh, it's an ongoing issue because uh, we get paid for 35 work hours in uh, Australia or in Queensland, I should say. And uh, unfortunately, the average is about 42, 43, they reckon, which means some teachers are working much, much more than 40 hours a week. Uh, so there, there, there is a lot of paperwork. There's a lot, a lot of paperwork. Uh, it can be mind-numbing. Zach, you mentioned that a certain percentage of teachers end up leaving the profession of teaching quite early. Is that something that you're worried that might happen to you, that you might have to leave, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no, no, I, I love talking about this. I, I wish that people got a more honest look at teaching outside of, like the news and just like the talking points uh, every election about it. Uh, but for me, my my solution is like, uh, so I, I'm in the middle of the school year right now. So I've worked a half a school year at a different school. Uh, completely fine. No burnout. This year with like COVID and everything, uh, it's just been a pretty immense workload. Uh, and I definitely did start to get to that point where it's like you, you dream about quitting, just like giving it all up, just so you don't have to get up in the morning kind of thing. And my personal solution to that has been uh, requesting to go down in hours next year. So maybe take a pay cut to just have that bit of freedom in my life so that I don't feel burnt out uh, without having to give up my career. Uh, but I, I do definitely think anyone considering teaching as a career uh, should unfortunately also consider a backup plan so that they have something they can fall back on if they do experience that burnout. Because uh, the toll it can take on some people is is it's pretty immense. It's it's nothing to laugh about, right? Uh, people get depression. Uh, people do have breakdowns, unfortunately, in this profession. It, it can be quite intense. And Zach, it's great to hear that you're looking after your own health and, you know, dealing with the pressures that are put on you with the job. But it's also worth mentioning some people won't be able to do that. They won't be able to take a pay cut. Um, so you know that probably isn't really an option for them. Do you ever see yourself leaving teaching? Um, for me, leaving? Uh, not any time in the future. It's it's definitely something I would like to do for the rest of my life. Um, I, I will say, uh, unfortunately, teaching conditions vary a lot based on uh, the political parties in power. Uh, so maybe I will reassess my outlook on my career if there's a a continued downward trend in the workload if it, if it keeps increasing i should say <laughs> maybe i will feel differently so like one of the things i really like about this interview so far and the conversations we've had before this interview is that you are clearly someone who really really enjoys teaching but you're also very realistic about it and you know i think that's that's a that's kind of a nice nice balance and kind of um 
you know, is, is a very positive thing. And I'm just wondering, you know, then with that kind of realistic hat on, what guidance or advice you have for anyone who is interested in teaching but never has done it before? What have you learned along the way that you wish you had, you know, uh, learned earlier? Um, because the people who are going to listen to this podcast are people who are exploring those career options and maybe don't have um, an idea of what they should do next. So I'm just wondering any kind of practical advice you'd be able to give would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I would really recommend off the top of my head is I wish more people from uh, not necessarily diverse backgrounds, but as in like life experience backgrounds would apply to teaching. Uh, a, a lot of people who enter teaching programs, uh, they've gone from high school to university to their teaching degree, and they've never done anything outside of school, uh, which there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But when you're in the staff room, uh, you can see kind of some people only have the single perception of what school is. So I, I one piece of advice I would have is for those people where maybe you were like left school for a significant period of time. Uh, maybe you weren't the best student when you were a kid, right? Um, those things don't necessarily mean you can't be a teacher one day, right? It just means you'll have to upgrade a bit more. Uh, so I would really, one thing I would wish is more people like that would consider themselves a possible teacher uh, if they have a knack for it or a passion. Uh, I think that's something that's really being missed in the profession right now, uh, at least in my own experience. Uh other life advice I would get is before you commit to teaching school, I would think of when you were a student, if you were a student who went to in-person classes in your schooling days, uh, and I would think of a class you had, and I would think of the worst kid in that class, the one who always had to go at the teacher, uh, the one who would uh, maybe hit other kids or like call them names or was just a big bully. And I would imagine yourself being that kid's teacher and ask yourself, could you spend upwards of six hours a week dealing with that kid every day uh, for most of a year? <laughs> Not every day, I should say, like three days a week for a year. Uh, and if that thought alone, if you say I couldn't do that, uh, I, I would seriously reconsider because I can tell you, I can tell you, you're, you're good kids, the, the ones who never cause you a problem, never insult their classmates, get in fights, cheat, whatever. Uh, they miss more school than the kids that are just the, the harder kids to deal with, right? So you really do have to be prepared for the fact that uh, you, you have to deal with some pretty heavy issues as a teacher. Um, sometimes the role overlaps with being a social worker, so you got to be prepared for those kids that come in looking for a fight. It's, it's not the greatest, but it's the truth. Uh, so that'd be my second piece of advice. So it sounds like you're talking there from direct experience. So how have you dealt with those kind of challenges in the past? Um, well, that's uh, moving on to the third piece of advice. Uh, go to extra behavior management PD because that's something a lot of new teachers really struggle with. So if you're not like naturally someone who can deal with those kids, make sure you're learning how to. It'll save you a lot of trouble. Always phrase things as a choice when you're disciplining a kid. So I always tell a kid like, All right, I'm giving you the choice. Yeah, you can either take a seat and start the work as I asked or we can go out in the hallway and discuss why you're not doing that. So I always make it like, I remove it from the option of like, if you ask like, oh, why aren't you doing that? 
you're just escalating the situation. So if you frame things as a choice, you always have a better chance of like a more equitable resolution. Zach, I suppose one of the few things I do know about teaching is that, you know, schools and education systems and uh, educational areas uh, differ massively. So I'm just thinking maybe some of the people listening who do end up going down a teaching route might not have, uh, you know, might end up in a school or an area that doesn't have um, that doesn't have great professional development. So I'm just wondering, besides that, is there any kind of other advice you might want to give? How do I put this? One thing I recommend is finding that fine line between a, a lot of teachers, they're so passionate that they give too much of themselves. So in the long run, it's unsustainable. They're, they're like, they're trying to light everyone else's candle by burning themselves up is the analogy I hear all the time at work. Um, so my last piece of advice would be make sure you find time for your own mental health. Uh, and that if the workload does get too immense, you feel like you're not coping well, uh, have someone you can reach out to and maybe help get a resolution to that issue. Uh, whether it's like myself, maybe just uh, requesting for, you know, one one less class next year so that you just have a little more you time. Uh, maybe it's you start a sport where uh, you say, I can't do work during this two hours. I play sport this week. Uh, and that's set because I'm on a team. I'm not allowed to do work there. Uh, if I get in trouble at work, oh, well, that that's not on my team or anything. I go to that sport. Uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, just look after yourself, which is increasingly hard in these times. I do understand that. It's very easy to be like, oh, yeah, just meditate. All your problems will go away. But uh, do do really, really try to look out for yourself because, unfortunately, like the school's not going to do it for you. Uh, most of your coworkers are going to be too drained from their own work to be babying you, right? So uh, be a bit selfish that way. So really, really do think of ways in your own life you can make time for yourself outside of school. I know you said earlier on that you know you're you want to stick to this profession for the rest of your life, which is fantastic. And I'm just wondering, in terms of your own career development, have you thought about moving to become a principal or a head teacher? Uh, yeah. Uh, Teaching is the only job in the world where the better you do at your job, the less you do your job. Like, uh, and let me tell you, I've, I've seen firsthand the kind of work principals do all day. And bless their heart, most of them are so hardworking and care so much about their students, but their job just sucks. Like, if you think if you think teachers do a lot of paperwork, you should sit down in the principal and see how much they do in a day. Like, and looking back on your career path so far, is there anything you wish you knew then that you know now? Uh, wish I knew. Oh, I wish I knew how political teaching was. Uh, I, I honestly had no idea how when you tell people you're a teacher, they will immediately tell you what they think of the school system, teachers, and everything to do with it. <laughs> like, uh yeah it's uh it's one of those jobs maybe it's just australians because we're like super honest and like we'll just say whatever comes to our mind first in the worst way possible uh but in general uh it, it is a job where you're constantly under the media scrutiny and i, I wish i was just aware of that before i became a teacher because that's one thing i did, i was not prepared for at all to just like see my job and my profession discussed every day in the papers by people who don't really know what they're talking about, for better or worse. Like, 
do you know I'm really surprised to hear that because even just from my own personal point of view when I hear that someone is a teacher I always think it's very interesting and I'm asking you know what you teach things like that so yeah I do find that a, a little bit surprising uh, that, that good Irish charm like. <laughs> no maybe, maybe I'm, I'm over embellishing it there maybe I don't know I, I just I feel like and it's not even like in a bad way it's not like people are being rude or anything it's just like everyone's been to school right so everyone has an opinion on school is how I think about it like it's one of those universal things most people have in common it's like the weather like do you know I'd agree with you there because uh, a few years ago I did my master's in education and I couldn't believe when I started kind of studying education properly how political it was and, and the kind of history of education and, and kind of where it all kind of started formally and I'm, I'm not going to go into it in today's episode mainly because I don't in any way shape or form claim to be an expert but it is a fascinating subject and one I would very much encourage people to kind of do their own research in. I want to end the chat today with I suppose a little bit more of a positive spin. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been going off about the the end of days here. That's that's I apologize for that. I I do love teaching. It is a great profession. I do, I just think a lot of people enter it with like rose tinted glasses. They don't know what's coming for them. <laughs> do you know Zach? I do really appreciate the honesty in all of this because part of the reason for this podcast, a big part, is the you know I suppose my desire to to kind of improve career education as a whole and part of career education is being realistic and being honest about how something is and I think from this interview it'll be very clear that you have an absolute love of teaching and you know something you're very dedicated to but you've also been very realistic with that um, which I think is great and I think will be invaluable to people who hopefully will will use it to kind of inform their decisions going forward. Having said all that, I do want to kind of try and end the episode on a, a positive spin. So I was just thinking, could you give me three things that you absolutely love about being a teacher? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hands down, top favorite feeling in the world is when you have that kid who's not really getting it. And then they get a breakthrough and you're like the one who caused them to have that breakthrough. So it's like you, you feel all warm and fuzzy inside because you actually like help them learn something they couldn't do before. Uh, which is like the whole purpose of the job, but it, it's harder to do than it sounds like. <laughs> so that's definitely it. Um, on top of that, uh, I I do like that a lot of teaching, uh, you get to be like, not, I won't say a role model because I shouldn't be anyone's role model, uh, but you get to be like an adult in the room who's there to like just be there for the kids and make sure they're getting like the education they deserve. Uh, as someone who really like appreciates education myself, it's great to like have a profession that allows me to like pay that forward and kind of give back what I was given as a kid. Uh, and then the third thing uh, has just been how far out of my comfort zone in the best way teaching has taken me. Like I, I'm living in Brisbane. Uh, I, I'm not allowed to leave right now because <laughs> of the lockdowns, but I'm loving it nonetheless. Uh, and I never thought in my like 100 years did I ever think I would be living in Brisbane just teaching at a high school here. So it really is a job that can take you anywhere if you're willing to like uh, put yourself out there. So those have been my three favorite for sure.
That was Zach Greenwood talking about his experience of becoming a secondary school teacher, having originally gone to university to study psychology. What I really like about this particular episode is how honest it is. Zach loves teaching. I hope that was very clear from his interview. But he's also very realistic about the problems, about the issues on the job and the kind of wider social and political implications of being a teacher nowadays. The purpose of this podcast is to help promote career education for those who aren't sure of their career path. But part of that is being realistic. No job is perfect. Every single job, every industry has an issue, has a problem, and some will be more obvious than others. We don't live in a perfect world, but I think it's really good that we go in with our eyes wide open and not our eyes wide shut. I'm Keanu Sullivan. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.